1: Welcome to Freezing Time with me, Money Coots, created by Offscript. So I'm opening the syringe, which is going to be stabbed into my stomach now. Hang on. Oh God, this is making me so sick that I'm going to do it wrong. So then that comes out. I mean, it looks a lot freaking easier in Trainspotting. Pinch a bit of fat. Okay, in it goes. Pushing down the plunger. Oh, it does sting a bit. Okay, and then pull it out. Oh, okay, I careful, a bit faint. Okay, so that's done. Actually, that really wasn't that bad. Hello, I'm Sophia moni Koots. I'm a writer who's 35 years old, single, and I've decided to go ahead with egg freezing. Just so you know, This has nothing to do with food. I mean human eggs, my eggs from my ovaries, which I decided to freeze to prolong my fertility. But we'll get to all that in a bit. In this podcast of 10 episodes, you're gonna have a front row seat on my egg freezing journey. Sorry for my bad American accent. The word journey crops up a lot in this series, so brace yourselves. Along the way, you'll hear my various diary entries, some good days, some bad days, My appointments with specialists, as well as interviews with fertility experts, policy makers and women around the world who've also gone through egg freezing, plus the odd chat with my mum. At the beginning of this episode, you heard me inject myself with hormones for the first time, the hormones which stimulate egg production. But my egg freezing journey – there we go again – actually kicked off a long time before that. So in this episode, I'm going back to the very start to explain what egg freezing is, and why I personally decided to do it. For the science bit, we'll be hearing from Zeta West, dubbed the fertility godmother to the stars, who talks to me about fertility tests, and the so-called fertility cliff, which all women supposedly fall off, age 35. Spoiler, it's not a cliff. Before we get too far into it, I should probably say if I need to tell you about how sperm and eggs work, I'm not sure this podcast is for you. But essentially... While men can stay fertile for most of their lives, classic men, most women's fertility starts to decline in their 30s. It's actually an area where I think Mother Nature slightly dropped the ball. While girls are born with between 1 to 2 million eggs, by the time we hit puberty, that number has fallen to around 300,000. By the age of 30, we've lost 90% of our eggs. And by our mid-30s, both the number and the quality starts dropping faster. The idea behind freezing eggs Is that it can prolong a woman's fertility, i.e., freezing time. Meaning, if she gets to an age when she can't get pregnant naturally, she can have these eggs thawed and fertilised using sperm from a partner or donor, and have the resulting embryo implanted into her, hopefully for a baby nine months down the line. The treatment takes around a month, and is almost identical to the first stages of IVF. Before I started on the drugs, I had a chat with producer Hannah, who you'll hear me checking in with throughout the series she asked me to go way back to the very start of my egg freezing journey.
2: Do you remember when you first heard about egg freezing? Was there like one kind of moment? Oh, that is a good question.
1: I think I became aware of egg freezing probably quite a few years ago now. I seem to remember there were adverts on the tube at one stage. Back then I thought, well, I won't need that. Great for women, but that's not going to be necessary for me um maybe late 20s i was back then i suppose and then i think there's this thing that happens when you get to a certain sort of maybe towards your mid 30s and in friendship groups talking about female friendship groups i think you start sort of hearing that one person is thinking about doing it or one person has done it and there's this sort of whispery network that starts happening and you realize it is actually a thing that you know that people have considered and are considering and are doing and 2 years ago now that was the first time that I considered it seriously. I'd just broken up with my ex-boyfriend. So I had never really considered the possibility because I'd assumed that I'd sort of be with him or be in a relationship. And it was only really being newly single that made me think, oh, maybe that's a good idea. And in fact, I took my friend in to have her eggs frozen at the Lister a month after my ex and I had broken up. And that was a sort of emotional day for all sorts of reasons. But that was the first moment, I really remember thinking, oh, OK, maybe I should start thinking about this myself.
2: So is that when you booked yourself in to see Zita? I went to see Zeta hmm, probably
1: about a year after that. The biggest question I'm always getting asked, I want to know how
0: fertile I am.
1: Zita West is basically the fairy godmother of egg freezing. When you go into her clinic in Marylebone, there's this amazing wall of photos of babies that she's helped create.
0: Some of those babies now. Well, actually, I, I I'm still in contact with
1: um, quite a few. Oh, are are in you their, sweet?
0: Yeah, are in there. I don't know
1: 25, 30. So they're all babies that you have brought into the world. Yeah, not delivered. Not all. I haven't delivered no, all, all those babies.
0: <laughs> but they're they're women that I've been in contact with who I've 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 treated over the years.
1: The baby wall was one of the things that made me feel like I was in good hands at Zeta's Clinic, which is where I ended up having my fertility test. This is typically the first step you take when thinking about freezing, and as I told producer Hannah, whether you even have that test is a very big question in itself. I think it took a while for me to get my head round, even the idea of having a fertility test, I think it's quite a scary thing to undergo for a lot of women, because what if you get terrible results and it tells you you've got no eggs and you've got no hope, et cetera, et cetera, and I think that's that's relatively common. I think they can really freak out women, and even if you do get bad results, it doesn't mean that you you know you can't have a baby so my sister and I actually talked a lot about should you have a fertility test should you not because did I want to get bad results is it better just not to know and just to carry on life sort of in blissful ignorance but I decided as I got closer to 35 that was something I should really think about
2: so what do they actually do when they give you a fertility test
1: so the fertility what it entails is I'd gone to a clinic I'd had a blood test And then I'd had one of those scans, which is when they put those sort of enormous looking dildos covered in a condom up inside you, basically. And it's incredibly uncomfortable. But I've actually now had that so many times for all my various hiccups that I am quite used to it. Okay, my hiccups. I think like a lot of women, I have this constant underlying paranoia that there's something wrong with me down below. A friend of mine once said that all women, before they have children, have a vague fear that when it comes to them, they might have trouble getting pregnant. And I definitely have that fear because I've had various gynecological issues over the years. Nothing major, probably the sort of things that plenty of listeners will have had too. A few years ago, I had a dodgy smear test, which meant I had to have something called leap surgery, which is essentially where they stick a very hot wire inside you to cut out a section of your cervix. The doctor who did mine genuinely put EastEnders on the TV over my head while he did this, so that was relaxing. I had a cyst on my ovary removed via keyhole surgery a couple of years ago, and they found endometriosis at the same time. I've basically had a few ups and downs with my lady parts. God, what a gross phrase. Sorry, I will try not to use that again. But the point is, I'm pretty familiar with having doctors rummage around down there. And Zita had the pleasure of being one of them because I had my fertility test at her clinic.
0: There are two um, tests that you look at or procedures that you look at when a woman comes along for egg freezing. One is her egg. AMH, which is anti-malarian hormone, and that is a marker from the ovaries, which gives us an idea about what your egg reserves are. So they will come back within a reference range for your age. So when you look at the result, you'll be able to say, right, okay, your reference range for 35 should be between A and B. Obviously, the higher the number The better,
1: the higher the number, the better, because does that indicate you'll get more eggs?
0: You'll get more, you're you're likely to get more eggs. Um, The other investigation is an antrophollicle count. So that is an ultrasound scan, which counts the number of follicles on the ovaries. So the two combined give doctors a good idea of how many eggs you're likely to produce.
1: So the first part of the fertility test was the scan to check my follicle count, which I was told looked good. And then I had a blood test to check my AMH, or anti-malarian hormone levels, which, as Zita says, tend to be a good indicator of your fertility, and therefore, how many eggs you can expect to get from the freezing process. It takes them a few days to analyse your AMH and give you the results. So obviously, I spent that time obsessing over what the outcome would be. Finally, I got an email from Zita saying, I've got your blood test results, are you around for a chat? And it's one of those things that you then, it's like getting a text message from a guy. You analyse every <laughs> little word. And I,
0: say, I remember saying, don't worry, you know, because you got back within about a nanosecond. Yeah yeah, no, exactly. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely frantically emailing back, sort of not playing it remotely cool. It's a I mean, <laughs> story of my life, I think, my dating life as well, <laughs> to be honest. So I'm doing this. Um, so so from my fertility test that I had with you last summer, I know my AMH levels were 10.8. Yeah. So does that that roughly correlates, right, that I should hopefully, I mean, obviously we're a year on, but I should therefore get around 10x. Is that fair?
0: Well, it's hard to say because it depends on the protocol that you're put on. And, you know, you don't you don't know, you might get more, you might get less.
1: Zeta mentioned something called protocol there. I didn't know this when I started, but protocol is a word doctors use to mean treatment plan. Which drugs or hormones you take, when and how much of them. And this varies from person to person, depending on lots of different factors. One of the things that I've also learned while researching this and that doctors and experts, like you are very clear and careful always to point out, is that it's not an insurance policy, this. So say I freeze my eggs and I get in one round, I mean, I don't know, Say, say 10 eggs, that's no guarantee of, of sort of 10 babies. Um, even if I wanted 10 babies, the, the recommended number that you guys say is, is it 20 eggs you should try and freeze?
0: Yeah, it is. And when, you, you know, when I ask a woman, how many eggs do you think it needs to potentially make a baby? And they'll mm. say, I don't know, five, six, and it's yeah. around 20, it's a lot. So you know, if you're not getting a, a lot of eggs you know, when you have an egg freeze um, round, mm you'll have to go back and have another round. And it's easy to think that every egg will make an embryo and every embryo will make a baby. And that's not the case at all because Mm. you know, it's not just about getting eggs. You need mature eggs and not all eggs mature. So of those 10 that you might might make, some won't be mature enough and some will be discarded. They won't be suitable for freezing. So you can see how it is a numbers game.
1: So that's why from 20, you might get whittled down to a much smaller number because some just won't be matured. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. Like I said just then, doctors always drum into you that this is not an insurance policy. There is no guarantee of a baby when you come to use these eggs. But of course, Zita is still a big believer in freezing.
0: I, you know, I am very pro egg freezing. I think mm. that one thing, it gives women a lot of choice. The great thing for you is like you haven't met Mr... Almost Mr. right, right. Or good enough,
1: or whatever.
0: <laughs> um, but it means that if your eggs are frozen and you do meet the love of your life yeah. at forty, he's 41, out there somewhere. He's out there. I bet he's <laughs> out there somewhere. Is that he's playing he, the long he's a, game? He's, um, yeah, he's he definitely is.
1: playing he the is. long game. But <laughs> you've
0: got eggs that frozen in time at at at, um, at, at thirty five and not at forty one, forty two.
1: Right. So the point is that when I get to forty one or forty two, if this, if Mister, you know, right, magically appears somehow when I'm forty one or forty two. The eggs that I've frozen, they will be obviously thirty-five year old eggs. Or eggs that were, you know, my thirty-five year old eggs, and they, and and is it true? I've I've read a lot of stuff. The age of your uterus doesn't actually matter. It's not the age of that that matters so much. It is, it does come down very much to the eggs. It
0: is the age of the egg, and that's the, yeah. the difficult thing. So, you know, there's many forty-year-olds out there and forty-one-year-olds out there with really good egg reserves. The more mm. eggs you've got, the better the choices. The more chromosomally yeah. normal they are, the less eggs you've got. At 40, the more chromosomally abnormal eggs you are working with, and that's what makes it difficult.
1: It's quite a lot to get your head round, isn't it? But I wanted to know all the facts about freezing before I signed up. I took producer Hannah through how I weighed up my options.
2: So from from kind of when you had the fertility test, Mm -hmm. what then was going through your mind when you decided, like, yeah, I do actually want to do the egg freezing?
1: So I had the fertility test August 2019, and then I guess I spent the next six months weighing up my options. And really the option was either, you know, find someone on Hinge or... Egg. I mean, no, that's actually not true. I'm being, I'm being really melodramatic. I could, you know, I could technically meet someone in the next few years and, and maybe that will happen and then great. Um, but the earlier you freeze your eggs, the better. And I thought, having had my fertility test as I approached 35 in February this year, I just thought okay why don't I do it and then that's done so had the fertility test spent about 6 months mulling over oh god you know can I afford it can I bear to spend that much money on something that you know doesn't even guarantee necessarily a baby at the end of it and then decided on the whole having done a lot of research and googling and speaking to people that it probably was the right thing to do because say I get to 41 42 and I've and I've met someone and I hadn't frozen my eggs and I was struggling to have a baby then I would potentially look back and kick myself if I hadn't done it, knowing that I could have afforded to do it right now. So I just thought on the whole, just, you know, stump up the hideous amount of cash and do it. So step one, decide to do it. Step two, find a clinic. And although I totally love Zeta, I felt like I should look at all my options.
2: Can you tell me a bit, a little bit about the open evenings? Is it mm. quite common for um, clinics to have open evenings? Is that just something that they all do? Right. Yes. I think in the past few years,
1: most fertility clinics now offer egg freezing open evenings. Partly because it's such big business for them. You know, if they're charging around three and a half grand a go for this, if even one of the women who goes to an opening freezing or an egg freezing open evening signs up with them. Then that's got to be worth doing, right? I mean, at the listener we got free orange juice and tea and coffee and biscuits. I think so. There's a bit of an outlay on that, and obviously it's a member of staff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a member of staff who's got to make themselves available uh, for that slideshow. I think they do them once a month there. But I think on a purely, you know, commercial level, if it helps get women through the door, they all tend to offer them. And I, you know, I'm sure there's stiff competition. I just was basically won over by. Lovely, Dr. James. uh, That open evening persuaded me, basically. I mentioned there that it costs three and a half grand per go. Unfortunately, that doesn't include additional costs, such as the drugs and the blood tests, which bring the whole sum up to around 5k. Yikes. More on the money thing later. Anyway, the open evenings. I feel like I'm really going back in time here because this is one of the only things producer Hannah and I were able to record in person in mid-March, right before lockdown. We've gone along to an open evening at the Lister Fertility Clinic, where lovely Dr James works. You'll meet him later in the series. So it's early evening and we can see Chelsea Bridge with the traffic flowing over it. And there's a sort of after work, well, a kind of after work vibe, no wine, alas. So yeah, it's a thing I think that you nip to after work then hopefully go home and then have a big glass of wine to sort of consider the dazzling number of stats i reckon tonight how many were we probably six seven there was a guy actually it was a couple that was quite interesting because i assumed naively we'd all be single women but there was one guy um and we all sitting in these fairly unattractive maroon chairs um and then there was a slide presentation i don't know 30 odd slides it was about 40 minutes really really very very detailed stats there were some stats that the doctor pulled up on the screen and you think, oh, God, you know, you need to get 20 eggs for the chance of one live baby. And you think, well, that, those are terrible odds. And then there are others that are more comforting that if you freeze your eggs when you're 35, you have around 75% chance of a baby. So after the presentation, I think it's yeah, reinforced um, my opinion that here is probably, you know, the, one of the best places to do it. I think I need to kind of sit down and go through it all. We went to that open evening in March 2020 and I booked in to have my eggs frozen in April, a month later. And then, surprise, surprise, along came the pandemic, meaning everything had to be paused until the start of June. But under normal circumstances, once you've decided to go ahead with it, you can get going relatively quickly, maybe as soon as your next period. Although, as Zeta says, the process isn't as quick as some people assume
0: often it makes me you know chuckle when a woman will come in and think it's something she can do in her lunchtime. you know can you just scrape a couple of eggs out you know it's like well i just come in and i do it so it is a it is a process so there's a lot to think about
1: you're totally right because one of the open evenings i went to about egg freezing before when i was you know thinking about all this i um i got there i sat down and i took a photo there was a slideshow in front of me that was about to start and it said you know welcome to egg freezing I took a photo on on my phone and WhatsApped it on the family WhatsApp group just to, you know, tell my family, oh, look, I'm having a really crazy Thursday night, whatever it was. And I sent it on the WhatsApp. And basically, all the men in my family, my brothers and my dad, all came back and they were like, oh, my God, sis, are you having it tonight? So much luck. Good luck. luck." And I was like, no, it's not just something that you go to a hospital and you do. It's like sort of popping them out in one evening i couldn't believe it i "I will make much more fuss about this when i actually get to the stage where i'm injecting so that made me realize actually there was a very real need for for this sort of thing i think not just you know for women who are potentially in my situation but everyone really because as i said so little i think is really known about this it seems like a sort of very secretive thing the fact that there's a stigma around egg freezing is a really important point even if i say so myself I'll be talking about that, the so-called taboo aspects of it, in episode two. So stay tuned. Okay, so who and who is your sort of typical egg freezing client? They're older women, and this is what's okay. difficult
0: as well, because the older you are, the poorer quality the eggs are, and very often the lower your egg reserve is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, women will come sometimes at 38 and 39 or in their 40s, and the, the, the reality is some, some women are far luckier than others in terms of what their egg reserves are so you can get somebody at 38 and 39 who's got a much better egg reserve than somebody else at 38 and 39.
1: Okay so it's completely down to the individual really. It,
0: It is it is but age is the biggest driving factor here.
1: Right and is there but I think people get very hung up on this from what I've sort of researched and read like is there such a thing as the best age or again does that entirely depend
0: well, the best age is obviously in your twenties. But who's going to freeze your eggs? You know, if I had somebody at twenty coming along asking to freeze my eggs, unless they had cancer, mm. I, I, I don't know why you would go. You would go through it.
1: So, okay. So then, for someone like me, so I'm single, thirty-five. Is that a sort of good? I want you to say yes, gold star. You're the perfect gold star.
0: (laughs) No, but you are because you know the thing is that your eggs are still your eggs are still young.
1: But so it's a good idea for someone like me, you know, single woman, 35, who knows um, that she wants to have children. That's a a good moment to come to you.
0: It is a good moment to come to me, but by the same token. A single Mm. woman of 35 with a low egg reserve, Mm. it may be more difficult for her because, you know, the whole thing is that you want to get a good selection of eggs that are mature um, Mm. and that are going to survive the the, 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 um, procedure. And if your AMH is low and you Mm. haven't got many eggs, it might mean that you have to have multiple goes at egg freezing. So not just
1: one off. Yeah, no, 100%. Okay, so if I was therefore going to freeze these eggs and then I meet Mr. Wright, and then I'm 40 or 41 and I decide I want to have a baby with him, the chances then of me getting pregnant, would they be the same as if I was, say, having IVF age 35? The success yeah. rates, okay, would be the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because your eggs, it's, it's, all about your, it's all about your eggs. I mean, yeah. obviously, if there are other underlying factors as you get older in your health, they, they might have to be addressed. But another good reason to freeze your eggs as well, and I see this in women, is one of the most important things, I, questions you can ask your mother is at what age did she have her menopause? Because... I see some women that come along at 31 and 32 and their mother had a menopause at 41, 42. So they want to do something. So they're briefed. They
1: know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can I actually quickly, while we're talking about ages, can I ask you about the dreaded cliff thing because I so hate it and I've uh, written yeah. about this before and I think it is definitely still a thing. You know, I, I very much had it in my head that I needed to have a fertility test when I reached sort of around the age of 35 because 35 is like the dreaded number that so many of us fear. Um, Is the cliff, is it true? How much do we really have to worry about that? Or, I mean, you know, is it fair to say you've got a couple of years after that or not?
0: I honestly think there is no cliff. I think that some women are more fortunate than others when it comes to their egg reserves. So some women at 35 will have much better egg reserves than other women at 35. Some women at 40 will have better egg reserves. um, Egg quality does decline after 37. But again, it's, you know... Generally across the board, that's... Yeah, 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 but you're right to bring that up because there isn't a week that goes by when somebody doesn't come into me at the clinic and say, I'm worried it's coming up to my 35th birthday and all my eggs yes. are fall off a cliff. And I've read this and I've read that. And they just need reassurance. I've read
1: a scary headline. Yeah. hundred yeah, yeah, percent. You
0: know, that, that isn't. And a lot of that data is really old. Okay. But women carry that in their head. They get into an absolute panic about it. But yeah. I also think that if you're, if you're single, like I was saying for every test is a result. So if you're single and there's no man in your life, life Mm. and you're not thinking about freezing your eggs but you want to know how fertile you are don't do any tests because the it's like the sword of Damocles hanging over you when you know what your (laughs) reserves are and if they're low and you meet a guy and you tell him on the second date you want a baby he's likely to run to the hills (laughs) you know men are far more fortunate that they're producing sperm 24 7 you know so they can go on to have kids and I see that as well you know into their 70s. Look at Mick Jagger.
1: I know, I know. Look at him go and Rod Stewart and all of them. So unfair. Yeah. But there yeah, we go. So yeah, I, I don't think even I on a second date have, have said that. But, um, <laughs> well,
0: that's <laughs> give just a me, tip, time, just in case yeah. you do. <laughs> I've got my eggs frozen. Should we take them out next week?
1: <laughs> By the way, I'm very aware that this chat has been pretty heteronormative because that applies to me and my situation. But obviously, anyone with ovaries can have their eggs frozen, regardless of their sexual orientation. The point is, all of us have different fertility levels, so there's no one-size-fits-all fertility cliff that we all fall off in our 30s. Knowing my AMH and follicle count were relatively standard for my age after the fertility test of Zeta, I finally made the decision to freeze. And I'm just going to give you a bit more of a rundown of what actually happens during egg freezing treatment. After the fertility test and the open evenings, when you've signed all the paperwork, you begin a two-week course of drugs that essentially stop your brain from talking to your ovaries. And the reason this is important is because when it comes to the drugs you start taking later to encourage egg growth, you don't want your brain to release all these eggs as it would normally. Usually, you only ovulate one mature egg each month, but the whole point of these drugs is to make you produce as many as possible. So after the first two weeks of drugs, then you have another two weeks of different hormone injections which stimulate the follicles where the eggs grow, during which time you'll have regular blood tests and scans to check your progress. Bear with me, I'm nearly done with the science, I promise. Then... 36 hours before the operation, you have a final trigger injection that tells your ovaries to release the eggs so they can be sucked up by your doctor using a needle and frozen.
2: How do you feel now having made the decision to go ahead with it? I feel pretty good
1: having decided to go ahead with it. The biggest deal for me was making the decision. And that took, I mean, really, if I'm honest, that took probably about a year to, to psych myself up and to weigh up the the expense and the what if I don't get enough eggs and all the pros and cons and the do I want to put my body through you know hormone injections?
2: Is there anything that you're sort of like nervous about with the whole kind of uh, what do you call it the protocol? The protocol? I'm a bit nervous about
1: I'm a bit nervous about the drugs because I've heard very different things from different friends. One of my friends sort of breezed through it and didn't feel too bad. Another one of my friends said it was terrible and she cried every day and she was incredibly up and down and it was hell. So I don't think there's any way of telling how you react to the drugs, to be honest. Uh, I'll just have to wait and see, all will be revealed. Um, So I'm a bit nervous about that. I'm a bit nervous actually about the aftermath. A couple of my friends have said that's the week afterwards is when you're sort of coming off the drugs, I suppose and and it's quite an emotional you know having operations is always emotional having gynecological operations i've always found with the various things that i've had done it's just it's obviously so personal and so intense um that can make you or has made me quite teary before so i guess the aftermath might be worse than the actual sort of doing it i don't know we shall see It's
0: interesting when I do some of our open evenings um, for single women, Mm. sometimes when I stand there, I just say, look, all of you sitting here never thought you'd be in a a fertility clinic. Life hasn't turned out how it was supposed to. And one or two of them do end up crying because it's, you know, they've come out of really difficult relationships or the partner's gone on to have a, the ex-partner's gone on to have a baby and they haven't been able to, and they're having to make lots of decisions. It's hard.
1: But then I presume, I mean, I feel like for me, it's the most positive thing I could be doing, a yeah, proactive yeah. thing I could be doing at the moment. So is that their, then the yeah. message that you go on and tell these poor sobbing women in your kids? Yeah,
0: no, I do. But, you know, again, not everybody has money either. So, you know, if you think yeah. that, y- if you think, right, one round on average is about five grand, if mm. you've got to have three. It's really expensive.
1: At the moment, unless you have a medical reason for needing to freeze your eggs, for example, you're going to have chemotherapy which might damage them, you can only have your eggs frozen privately. This is the difference between what they call non-social and social egg freezing. It's a bit of terminology that I hate. Non-social egg freezing is where you've had it for medical reasons such as chemo. Social is what I'm having because I've simply elected to do it. But I think calling it social makes it sound like something frivolous you do at a cocktail party instead of a really quite serious medical procedure, so I loathe the term. In the UK, as mentioned earlier, one round of social egg freezing, including the treatment, drugs and blood tests, costs around five grand. I think that's another reason why Zeta sees older women coming through. Little fact here, the average British woman having egg freezing is 38. And perhaps that means they're more financially stable. And can I just quickly address one thing here? I know I have the silliest, maddest, poshest name in the world, which makes people think I'm a trillionaire heiress. I wish. But sadly, this isn't the case. Ironically, I'm really only lucky enough to be able to afford to do this because I write bonkbuster novels. Available in all good bookshops, by the way. To make matters even more expensive, some women need more than one cycle. While I was trying to decide whether or not to go for it, I felt especially aggrieved that no single man I know in his 30s is trying to work out whether to spend so much cash on preserving his fertility. But that's the patriarchy for you quick question because you said that the egg is the biggest cell in the human body is it true I read once that it, it's the thickness of a human hair is that true
0: it's I know it's 550 times bigger than the sperm it probably is
1: I kind of love that it's a lot bigger than a, I mean you couldn't so you couldn't <laughs> when I have my eggs out I wouldn't be able to see them for instance with no 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 But it just, the thickness of a human hair, I read this in a book and it was such a visual image for me. It sort of seemed amazing that it's that big.
0: It's funny because my visual image is very different because when I look at... um, What's yours? Well, I just think the egg is majestic. (laughs) I love that. So when you look at science videos and you see ovulation, Mm. you see this majestic egg floating out and then all the sperm trying to get in there these tiny little things and I, I think there yeah. is something majestic about so that's what you need to visualize this these majestic eggs
1: coming from you yes <laughs> not little hairs no, yeah, no no okay not human hairs um no I like the, the majestic egg is much better um what's the breakdown do you see many women coming to you for egg freezing who are in relationships because of course I I'm sort of focusing on single women because that's me and I know that that speaks to a lot of single women but but then some women in relationships i mean if you can afford it it's it's potentially not a bad idea right
0: Yes, absolutely. So some women will come to me if their partner's ambivalent about them getting pregnant. Like very yeah. often I see that conflict mm. between couples where a woman will start a relationship and be happy not to have a baby. Then five years on wants a baby. but A man is adamant, no, I'm not ready yet. He can yeah. afford to not be ready yet, but um, yeah. he so can't afford <laughs> not to be ready yet. And they can. It can cause... Well, it very often does cause a breakdown of a relationship because a woman's drive to have a baby if she wants a baby is very, very, very strong.
1: So it's more, I mean, I, I guess the majority, the vast majority you will see for egg freezing is single women.
0: Yes, egg freezing right. is,
1: is, is generally single women, yeah. Now that I was ready to go ahead with it, I was curious as to how Zita would recommend I prepare. She's a big believer in acupuncture for the emotional support it provides as well as the physical benefits, but sadly... She has some advice I don't want to hear about booze and caffeine.
0: I am a great believer in improving egg quality, and I know that many medics say you're born with all the eggs you ever, ever, ever going to possess, and mm. you know you won't get any more that's true you know eggs are genetically determined but i think the environment in which the eggs are growing can be influenced by your diet your nutrition your supplements mm-hmm. um, etc so i'm always an advocate of taking supplements and looking at your diet and, and eating well and sleeping well and preparing i mean you prepare for every event in life you'd never get married next saturday having bought a wedding dress on a friday you know <laughs> you have to you have to really sort of plan ahead and you, and you need to put, yeah to plan ahead and i think as well at the moment with lockdown and covid I think vitamin D is really important for the immune
1: okay I was going to say what supplements because I take a I take a multivitamin with yeah. coenzyme q10 which I've just read coenzyme
0: apparently. q10 is good protein in your diet fats omega-3 vitamin D B yeah. vitamins all of these are, are, are important
1: what about wine <laughs> or drinking
0: I honestly don't think you should drink in the lead up. Okay. I would, uh, you know, I'd cut it out a month before.
1: And caffeine as well. Is that another thing? Because I have my one quite strong coffee every morning and I'm not sure I could do without, I get terrible headaches whenever I try to stop that. But does that I know because that's, that, that's
0: withdrawal. No, I think, I think it's yeah. okay. But, you know, when you, when you, if you're going to stop coffee, reduce it slowly every other day. Don't just do cold turkey. So I should get technically
1: stop it. Would that be helpful? Yeah, as little as you can. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I will I will think about that. And can you predict how each woman will react to the I mean, I don't know whether I'm gonna to bloat to the size of a house or whether I'm gonna be, you know, weepy for so every solidly every every or... woman's
0: different. Some women absolutely sail through mm-hmm. it, some women feel a bit flat and fragile, others make them a bit anxious, some put on weight, everybody everybody is different. But oh, God, I feel the... like I'm
1: gonna get all of those. It's gonna be No, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. You're not. We'll Visualize see. Visualise
0: yourself really Yes, sorry, I've got to
1: visualise, exactly. And your
0: majestic eggs and you'll be fine.
1: My majestic eggs maturing perfectly, going in the freezer and just waiting, waiting for Mr. (laughs) 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 Wright, for whenever he appears, okay, I will do that, thank you. (laughs) It is uh, a very big day today because I'm going back into the Lister, the hospital for my first appointment since lockdown started. Um, So, yeah, going to go in. I actually don't know what it really involves. Seeing a nurse, uh, I think just checking dates and when I can properly start the drugs again, um, hopefully in a couple of weeks, and then we'll go from there. So I will report back. Okay, so that's episode one in the bag. Next time I finally get started on the drugs, And I investigate why there's so much stigma around egg freezing with some very special guests.
0: I didn't really realise how much it needed to be talked about until I talked about it. I could see tears in her eyes and she told me please never tell anyone about it. It's
1: just hard being a black single woman and having to deal with you know fertility and it felt like no one else like you know thought my fertility was worth preserving. Remember, you can subscribe to Freezing Time on your favourite podcast app, so you don't miss any of the gruesome details. Freezing Time was produced and written by Hannah Varrell and Safaimani Coots and created by Offscript. Here's a cool fact.
0: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month, or just under a year in some states.